All right, Michael J., how did you get me to come back to Grand Central Station? Okay, that's not how we were supposed to start the podcast. I believe you were talking about a Crumbs cupcake. Yeah, so I was wondering over here, I was kind of like, I had a little early time. I, I went on the Michael J. Food, food tour. I had a couple of Grace Papaya hot dogs. Really? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I walked by Crumbs. I'm like, all right, Mike's always raving about Crumbs. He says it's better than Billy's. I actually never had a Billy's cupcake. Really? You never had a red velvet cake from... No, I've, do, I've, do people I've, not invite you when they win PTQs? No, no, I've said that it's better than Magnolia, cupcake to cupcake. I'll stand by that All one. Right, so I mean, I've had Billy's. I've just not, never had a Billy's cupcake. Yeah, I, had, to, I had the Billy's red velvet cake. That's yeah. not a cupcake. It's the same, though, right? Would you say that their cake is better than the cake in no, a Crumbs yeah, cupcake? Honestly, like the Billy's red velvet cake, the icing is excellent, and the cake is actually quite dry. See, this is what I'm about to say about Crumbs. Yeah? Crumbs Cupcake is like an awesome apartment. Yeah? Imagine if, like, John Finkel's apartment yeah. was in Queens. <laughs> right? It's, it's weird, because, it's, like, one of the defining characteristics of John Finkel's apartment is that it's not in Queens. Exactly. It's in Manhattan. Yeah. So, explain, I, I don't, I don't know, so I mean, like, I understand the hilarity of what you just said, I just don't understand what the hell you're talking it's about It's just, like, now. got all these great features, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, got granite countertops slash peanut butter cups on the yeah, frosting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 It's got, like, cream cheese in it. I had the black bottom cheesecake okay. cupcake. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, the cake is just dry and not that good. Like it. So one the of cupcake the, itself is not very good. One of the things we were talking about, me and Wang, was, like, crumbs maybe tries to cover up cake quality with... <laughs> Filling it with insane, awesome icingness and yeah. stuff like that, and I think I maybe I can accept that. Um, but I don't know what does that say about the other cupcake makers? Honestly, like Billy's is just like oh, everyone everyone in our group loves Billy's, right? Yeah, everyone. the freaking red velvet cake is quite dry. I disagree. And the I don't know. You know, you know who makes good baked goods? Uh, Sugar Sweet down in uh, it's actually really close to where you are. Everything's close to where I am. Yeah. I can't believe, I just think about Sugar Sweet, it's like three blocks from where Brian's new office is. I go there like, um, I don't know, a couple times a week, um, just to get coffee. I don't get baked goods every day, otherwise I'd be like, hella two, two Michael J's pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, I, they're, they're, the portions are small, but what happened was there are these two chicks and they're uh, pretty good looking, I think was part of their defining features. Sure. And I mean, have you ever noticed, like, if you watch any cup, you watch any kind of yeah. cupcake shows or any kind of cupcake competitions, you watch any of those things on TV? I mean, I, I watched the Cupcake Wars once because Osip told me to watch it, but I, mean, I never really get into some, it. There's always just some, like, like ex-beauty queen with fake boobs and a too tight t-shirt. Anyway, I think they were... says Mrs. Cupcake. They were meant to be actresses or whatever, but they, they ended up working at Magnolia. Right. So then one day they were just like... Typical cupcake uh, career. Yeah, they're like... Our careers aren't going anywhere. Let's just steal every you secret. They're like, I'd like this part, but I don't want to sleep with you. I guess I'll just go make cupcakes. So I think their strategy was to just steal everything they learned from Magnolia and open up Sugar Sweet. That's what Billy's is, too. Like yeah. Billy's is just I think it's called Sugar Sweet. Uh, and, but like all their, their whole thing is like everything's like sexy this, sexy that. So they make like red velvets and they have like sassy and sexy. And I think sexy is with um, the white the white icing and sassy is with chocolate icing. And they, okay. they have tons of insanely good, delicious things, but their portions are small. Versus like a, a crumbs cupcake is like about one and a quarter or one and a half times the size of a, of a, of a magnolia it's cupcake. It's heavy. Um, it's heavy. I mean, I ate the whole thing, like, mind you. Yeah, in like five minutes, mind apparently. Mind you, I would, I would live in John Finkel's apartment if it was in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, so I'm actually worried about something for like the first time ever. What's that? Um, I had I had this notion I was going to write this article called How to Think About Magic, and then I looked at the actual 5K deck lists from the TCG Player event in Boston that Nick Spagnuolo won, and the Nick Spagnuolo, who we were just talking about on the last yeah, podcast. apparently he wins everything. Yeah, because he won both days. He he Alex Bernchini <laughs> the, the 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 5K, and coming off of a states win. He's just like, I don't know. Like, coming off ninth, I think he was at ninth in the New York. Yeah, five. he was top 16, and he must be very good at the minor leagues anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, you know, like some country kid comes up to the minors. He's like Jamario Moon, he's, right? He's like, throwing like 99-mile-an-hour yeah. fastballs, and he's like, I can hit a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. But if he gets to the majors, can he hit like a no, crafty 38-year-old no, left-hander? No, he's like, he's like junk? You know, I don't like, know. You know like Jamario Moon is just like, oh, I'm going to be We're a globe, mixing our sports metaphors. globetrotter. You really want like, to go back to the baseball metaphor, and you want to stick with that. Anyway, I don't know anything about baseball. It's a problem. Anyway. Crafty uh, left-hander. Okay, crafty left-hander. So... By the way, I really like Jamarium. <laughs> uh, so anyway, then I looked and then there, I even looked at the legacy deck lists for once, and there were so many interesting takes on survival of the fittest. I was just like, oh, I'm not going to write this how to write about, how to think about magic article. I actually wanted to just write a regular top deck, so there's tons of interesting decks to talk about from Standard, and I even wanted to throw in like a couple of things about legacy. Darwin Castle almost won the event. Yeah, with the red deck. Yeah, it was just like... Is he playing Cold Alpha Rebirth in that deck? I don't believe so. I, it's That's just a, a mistake. Yeah, I don't think he has very many artifacts, Brian, so I don't know how he could play it with not any artifacts. He's just playing a standard red deck, you know, the kind that everyone discounts but always loses sure, to. Sure, sure. Um, so then I was just like, oh, I'll raise... And then on Twitter, I just threw it out there. I don't know why I do these things. I mean, probably for attention. Well, I was just going to say... <laughs> for attention um, and they're like no no right how to think about magic so I wrote it and I really like it I really like the writing and it's one of the rare I used to write and rewrite all my articles especially during the Teddy card game era at Star City I would write and rewrite the average magic the intangibles four or five times and now I just write it like once I'm like so busy I can only sure. write it once and I actually wrote and rewrote this article three times, and I really like it. And I threw out more than half of the, the content. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll like write in one off blog, blog post. I'm like, some of the things I was thinking were just like too negative, or like don't make any sense in the context of the rest of the article, like or things like uh, what Dave Price taught me, which was that you know at some point his magic friends and his friends the line had blurred, and I realized basically the same thing had been true of me. If not at the same yeah, time. We've had this yeah. discussion before. So, um, but like, it, just everything, you know, like about, uh, in my experience in, in magic, but like just giving, 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 and you like, you get more, and, and, and why not, why you don't cheat? And like, the answer is the reason you don't cheat, for me anyway, amongst all the other things, is like, you, you know, like I do a, a video about the double nickel, and I'm like, why are you, like, do you just savagely cheat all the time? Why do you teach people to cheat? Like, no, I don't cheat. The reason I don't cheat is because, not only is it not important enough to win an individual game of Magic, like we were talking about last time, like I do not care enough to, to bend to win an individual game of Magic, but like the last 15 years of my life have been invested in creating like a very public persona that would be eradicated if I ever got caught cheating. It's like the dumbest thing. Like the guys who were running for president and then get caught with some really ugly chick every single time. Although the theory is... Yeah. That you have one fantastic cheat in you. Really? Yeah, you could just like reach over, tear some guy's cards <laughs> up, right? <laughs> Do something, just like savagely just pull a card out of your yeah. pocket, shuffle it into your deck, draw it, and win the game. 
And then he's going to be like, Judge, he just cheated. And you're going to be like, seriously? Come on. Come on. 15 years I've been doing this. You think I'm going to pull a card out of my pocket? Terrible. Put it on top of and my this, deck? And don't look at the two halves of Jace the Mind Sculptor <laughs> that are lying on the table right now. He did it to himself. Not only is he delusional, he's out and out nuts. He's depleting the pool of precious mythic rares. So, anyway... Yeah, but so I'm actually, you should probably get away with that. Regard, regard, regardless of that, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try it this year. Let's say. <laughs> All right. If I have any remaining Magic tournaments this year, which oh, it's oh, 2010 is almost over. I don't have any remaining Magic tournaments this year. Um, but even if I did, I'm not gonna try it this year. Okay. But I'm actually kind of a little bit frightened um, about the, what the reaction will be. Because I, I actually kind of really like it. So what's, it. The, what's the central thesis of the article? It's just like this is how I think about magic. This is how. This is like. How do you think about magic? Like. Distill uh, it. And actually, like, I distill it to a sense. The writing's good in this one. I don't. I don't always say that. So like the first part is uh, people don't want to buy products. It's like seven. Seven. It's like seven. Um, sort of. Uh, uh, obvious statements or like trite statements even and then apply to magic. The first one and the most important one is people don't want to buy products. Then there's like strike while the iron is hot. Um, no long term allegiances or alliances. Uh, what else is there? Uh, allegiances like, clearly sounds like it should be an expansion set. <laughs> yeah, then I talked about it's like, like some crossing alliances and leases. So I, the, like uh, the notion that um, uh, ha half the contacts are how do you make my rusty tin can beat that star destroyer like we talked about last week but then to contextualize that section so I didn't sound like too much of a jerk I copy and pasted with correct card names so I rewrote with correct card names the how to fix your red white thing that Schuler found that is the first entry in decade <laughs> and I had to look up some of those cards and man was I mean I was so bad and yet so arrogant at the <laughs> same time it was like you will, I guarantee you will thank me for suggesting you add Rod of Ruin to your red-white deck. Look, these were words that I apparently wrote in 1995, and I wasn't laughing at, I don't it think. a strict upgrade from what you were writing in 1994. Oh, about the swords from nowhere? <laughs> yeah, before my long-time listeners will know this. <laughs> But before my crew about magic, he was he was trolling the Highlander message boards. Look, man, <laughs> the world needed. Like, imagine as arrogant as Mike can get. Now imagine him even more arrogant and more youthful. And now imagine him arguing about where a Highlander sword goes. The main when it's sheathed. The main thesis I was arguing against was like some morons wrote an FAQ. Let's like <laughs> FAQ about immortal powers, and they claimed that quickening was used to conceal blades, which is ludicrous. We simply suspend our disbelief. They have got okay. All of them have a long coat. Okay, like you ever notice that they're that's always what, wearing a long exactly coat? That's exactly where I went with it. I'm a long coat. They've got a long coat to hide their swords. Why would they all wear a long coat to hide their swords if they could just? Use a quickening-powered dimensional portal to hide their swords in. What, what evidence do we have that they could use quickening to hide a freaking claymore, okay? They freaking can't. Whoever wrote this just made it up. And I'm just like, yo, dude, how about we actually analyze the text instead of your dream journal, okay? So anyway, yes. <laughs> 
before <laughs> so rod of ruin before occasion money changer circle of protection white before orcish artillery circle of protection red before i guaranteed you would thank me for adding rod of ruin to your deck there was swords from nowhere and coming soon to a google near you i oh, I stand behind Swords from Nowhere. I mean, it's been what, 20 years, <laughs> and I'm sure that I'm right on this one. Swords from Nowhere. Come on. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, the other thing I liked was like some dude on Usenet. And I thought that if you could write on Usenet, you probably had some sort of editorial authority. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. A notion soon dispelled. <laughs> Once I was writing on it and I became popular on Usenet, I'm like, you can just pretty much write whatever you want. And I was like, ooh, there must have been some sort of poll that that declared the J. The who's it? Uh, it was like all the, the the comic book superhero teams would battle, and then like the story of how they fought was told on on Usenet. I'm like fascinated. I'm like, man, the JSA kicked the crap out of the X Men. <laughs> like, and like then like the finals was the Legion against the JSA. I'm like, they stacked the JSA. They had Kal-El on the J. I mean, like. I think, like, JSA beat the JLA, and they both had Supermans, and, like, one of them was, like, an Earth-1 Superman, and it was just, like, mm, I don't know. This, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it was awesome. I think the JSA beat the Legion. The Legion might have beat the JSA. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It was so great. I'm going to have to Google this conversation and link it in the podcast. Oh, uh, it was... I don't know if you have enough superpower. I don't even remember the name of the forum, so... <laughs> it was probably, like, rec.comics or something. I don't know. But it was it was sick. It would have been from around 1994, or 1995. Yeah. I remember. Anyway, anyway. Rod of ruin. Rod of ruin. Uh, let's see what else is there. I'm like, don't ma- don't major in minor things. Something I've been trying to work on. So what does that mean? I mean, like, I only try to make the best deck. Like, not or work on the best idea. Not and what that means can ha- and I actually didn't clarify this in the article as I probably should have. What that means is a fluid definition, right? Like it doesn't just mean make the most powerful thing, but but to make the best thing and not worry about like the third best thing. The the third best thing is almost the worst thing because it usually takes the most work and gets not enough value relative to how much work you're putting in. And the example I used was Nia Lightsaber. Just like so much better than other decks. And it was not just so much better, it was the best deck. And then uh, I talked about how how players are taught, and they're taught by very good players in some cases, to learn a deck and, and, and continue to play a deck. And it's so clearly wrong. All the legendary ideas, uh, I'm sorry, legendary stories from Andre Coimbra with Nia Lightsaber to Eric Lauer with the, with the Memory Jar deck are about the awesome deck appearing like... Excalibur in the hand of the Lady of the Lake pops up out and says, Young Knight, grab me. Did you just bring it around to Swords from Nowhere? Swords from Nowhere. <laughs> grab me and take control of the freaking country of England, okay? And, like, the knight either grabs a plane ticket to random GP where they're going to lose to Kaibude or world championships where they're actually going to kill all the Jun players with their other Swords from Nowhere. <laughs> that kind of Swords from Nowhere. Or they play whatever deck they were going to play from last week and go two and two and complain about how the metagame sucks. Do you think people have a, a sort of warped notion about what you mean when you say best deck? Because I'll see like a lot of times people talk about, you'll talk about like, oh, Nia Lightsaber was the best deck. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. how can you say that? Obviously, Jund was the dominant deck. Jund did this, 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 and this over the course of the season. 
you know, well, it posted this many results and this many people it's played it. It's because one of the principles I put is that we, we, we design for one tournament. And the very first thing I said is, MTGO results after the tournament occurs are utterly worthless in terms of evaluating which deck was good. All it does is just like, it's just meaningless. Who cares? Like, there's one world champion this year. There's three Pro Tour champions this year. The decisions made to crown that person, I mean, and, and whoever wins the Pro Tour isn't necessarily the best. Like, in the case the Kibler won, it was correct. In the case when um, Gortzen won, it wasn't, I don't think. I think, uh, look at the dominant performance of Luis, he randomly gets mana screwed in two or three consecutive games after... Putting, after, after admittedly not getting manuscript all day during the Swiss. After admittedly putting out the best performance sure, in the history of the sure. Pro Tour to that point. But I'm just saying, but you, I mean, get, you get manuscript in the tournament. His consecutive mana screws after dominating in that game won. I, I was heartbroken to watch that yeah. because I was like, Luis is going to put on a show that is going to go down in legend. And it was, you know, it just went down in footnotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, like, it, was, it, right, it had the potential to be one of the greatest, like... Like, possibly even exceeding anything Kai had done. I mean, in terms of single performance, it, it almost doesn't matter who won the tournament. In terms of single performance, I think it's about the most impressive performance ever put on. Because he won more matches than anyone else ever, I think, right? right? So, but the other thing is, like, it's very clear that Boston Iowa was the best deck of that tournament. Look at the constructed records of all the players sure. who played it. It's but, not close what also, the best deck was. Also, you can say, look at the quality of the players that Really? Because Tom Ross is such a well-known player? Tom Ross is trying to be a formidable but, player. I'm a big Tom Ross fan. But you can't... You can't make that argument. I don't. I don't think it's a clean argument to make. Like, okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I'm like, just saying, but it, look but at, at all the, the players time, who played Jund. Tomohiro Saito played Jund. But at the same time, you have. You know, like, but there's some advantage to being like a new deck in the hands of the best player. And for whatever you want to say about Tom Ross not having yeah, there's any a credentials, there's a significant advantage. Yeah. No, he didn't have no credentials. He'd won a 5K like 15 minutes before he sure. put out that tournament. But he also has. Access to LSV playtesting with him, tone tuning his deck, talking through the decisions. Right, like it, it means something to me when they got a number of players. And I'm not diminishing that, the accomplishment at all. That caliber, like half a dozen players, including I believe what PV was on that on that deck, they all went and switched to it. There's a reason for that. It was just, and if you if you watch the decks play out typically, and you know you play basically a variation of Boss Ross, uh, sorry, of Boss Naya at regionals, right, um, Jerry. Uh, the Vengevine deck, Jerry's like, he didn't do anything. All he did is add Vengevines to a deck that was already awesome. Yeah, That's what yeah, he claims, yeah. which none of us buy that crap, obviously. That, that, that deck was awesome. Yeah, and then how did you perform against Jund, right? Oh, God. <laughs> In terms of expected valuation I mean, of, of the tournament, like, that Jund I, was meat to that deck. LSV had to get consecutive in Landis That's the only way he can lose. Yeah, I was playing against Jund, and I, my opponent would look at the board and concede. Yeah. And I'd be sitting there with mind controls in my hand. and uh. Anyway, my point is, like, I mean, obviously, we would have all loved... I mean, no offense to, to Gordon. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I chat with him on Twitter sometimes. It's just, like, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishment by any means. You're saying, like... I was, terms very, of, I was very impressed with Gortzen. In terms of in terms of deck performance, I wanted to see Bosnia win. I felt Bosnia was by far the best sure. deck, and you know LSV is especially at the time. You know he was held up on a pedestal, and we we're like, LSV is the best, Bosnia is the best. This is like a math equation. We wanted. I think the people wanted to see something, right? And the people in this case is me. That's the opinion I mostly oh, care I mean, about. Sitting in a booth. What do you think? I you know certainly. <coughs> You know, just just from the perspective of doing coverage, right? It's like 
again, no offense to Simon, it's just like, okay, I could be talking about Simon at the end of this, yeah. or I could be talking about the single greatest tournament performance what's, by a player. What's the best What's the best story you ever had from the booth? At the end of the day, you're like, I'm so... Nassif. Nassif. Nassif, Nassif and Kyoto. There's yeah. no question, right? Nope. Oh, because of the called shot it's, and all the, of the it? Called, it's the called shot. First of all, going into that tournament, in the pregame... Like, it comes Randy and I are there, and we're like, all right, who are you picking for this tournament? Randy's like, I think it's going to be LSD. Yeah. Before the tournament, I'm like, I think it's going to be Nassif. Those were our picks. <laughs> Both of them did pretty well, yeah? So uh, what's, your, what's your second favorite after Nassif? And that's a great, great choice, by the way. Uh, maybe the Terry Stowe bluff with Karsten. Uh, I admired that one so much. Like I was, I was. Uh, that was my off pro tour. That was my right? first. That was my first. Yeah, yeah. Booth. That was my off booth. Like I went back and did the next pro tour or whatever. But like I remember when you did that, I'm like, I am so glad Brian's doing this because I would have never been able to call this game as well as him. And it was. To be fair, I had Becker in my ear helping me. Don't, you don't give. A, why, why don't give you just Becker. go like give ignore Becker. the man behind the curtain? Give Becker a little. Ignore the man behind the give curtain. Give Becker a little credit. I wish Becker were here. We could talk about Aquaman. Oh. Uh, Man, I've got this great Aquaman story. I sold it to DC. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. He's not kidding, Becker. <laughs> Too bad you didn't copyright that lawyer. <laughs> nice lawyer. Nice lawyer. Maybe you can screw up Brian's taxes this year in, in revenge. You can't? You can't. Why? I don't let him do them. You don't let, everyone lets Becker do their taxes. I have, I have an accountant for a long time. No. Sorry, Becker. Can't even screw up his taxes. <laughs> By the way, you should get Becker to do your taxes if you're a magic player. Or a poker player. Poker player. Or a arbitrage gambler. Or a yeah. he, he specializes in what do they call it like in Japan when they did that thing on Mori? What do they call it? Like, in, interesting way to make a livings. Like that, t- <laughs> that TV show that Mori was on. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't know this? So no. Mori's a TV show and it's like a Japanese TV show about interesting ways to make a living. And I guess Mori's like... That's a nice hashtag by the way. Yeah, like, and like, I guess Mori's like half a professional magic player, half like a, not a male escort, it's not the right thing. It's like, he yeah. hangs out in clubs. He, he basically does bottle service at yeah, like, bars for uh, older business women. Yeah, so like he's like a, a pretty boy <laughs> It's like, have a pretty boy in a bar. Have a professional magic How do you say buy me a drink in Japanese? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I didn't want to couch it like he's, like, doing some sort of, you know, unseemly thing. It's, like, a regular job, but, like... I mean, it's not unseemly in Japan. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he dresses up as, like, a, a girl sailor costume while he's doing it with a Pikachu hat, just ignore that part. It's Japan. <laughs> have you seen the guy's haircut? Anyway, he's a pro tour champion. <laughs> World champion. Three-time world top eight competitor, yeah. national reigning national champion, and he basically does bottle service for hard-up ladies. <laughs> They're not hard-up. They work very hard. They don't have a lot of time to meet a guy. But they do have money. They do have money. <laughs> you know who's the lamest? Pakula. Pakula will just like he will wiggle out of it with whatever resource he can claim to wiggle out of. I'm like Pakula, such and such person got booted somebody who plays mad vintage and is also wants to be in the hall of fame might seize this as an opportunity to begin aggressively writing and becoming popular in the community plus plus a domain expert nah man i don't have time 
he runs he runs the times, okay? So I'm like, later, I'm like, Pakula, I wish you played Magic the Gathering. And somebody else is like, oh, Pakula plays like 10 vintage tournaments a year. I'm like, yeah, I wish you played Magic the Gathering. And Pakula's like, oh, I would play Magic the Gathering on Moto, but it's so many ticks. Are you really gonna cry, <laughs> quote, so many ticks? Of all the human beings on also, Earth. Also a good hashtag. <laughs> Of all the human beings on Earth who are going to call, cry, it's so many ticks. Him and the, the previous conversation was, oh, I don't have time to become the world's greatest, most popular vintage columnist. He, he, he could neither, he neither has the time nor the ticks. So I don't know what he has. Apparently, a big stack of meddling mages with the new art. Interesting way to make a living. <laughs> interesting way to make So anyway, Amori was on a TV show. interesting way to make like, whatever the Japanese translation of that is. Sure. <laughs> Bottle service. It's good how you, you described it. Because it, it's, not, it, it's not exactly that. I know the girl version of his job. It is. It's the, that's exactly what it is. Like, the girl version of their job is, like, to look pretty, and then the bartender sends you over. Yeah. And you, like, bat your eyelashes. That's exactly what he like does. And it's like you're kind of on a fake date. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's, what he does. Well, you made it sound like he was a waiter. No, no, it's bottle. Like, no, it's like bottle service. Like he comes over and he's like, buy me, a, buy a bottle. You know, when I get bottle service at a club, the girl doesn't actually sit on my lap. What? Well, Sometimes. It's Japanese bottle service. <laughs> anyway, um, in, a, in a Sailor Moon costume, wearing a Pikachu hat. <laughs> so anyway. So, speaking of being scared to put something... I mean, so do you see why I might be, like, a little bit... It's a little bit... It's sure. way off from it's, Top it's, Decks. That's how I felt, like, when I did the Blood Braid Elf piece. That was my favorite piece you wrote that year. Yeah, but it was pretty far out of my comfort zone for a column. I mean, you know, that's good sometimes. Like, you know, you need something to sort of jolt you out. But it was honestly, like, the first time and I don't know how long that I actually looked at the necklace, so I'm like, this actually could be interesting. I mean, it's not that... It, okay. I, I'm not saying that I, like, don't, like... The column. I'm saying, like, usually the deck lists are presented. I gotta go home and write the article. My article tonight. <laughs> yeah. I'll just write about those deck lists. Oh man, I destroyed on this one. You should actually. The legacy deck lists are very interesting. So the the uh, usually when you go in, I'm like, oh. Hang on, let's just break here. We'll okay. be back with more.